when a seed is planted in good soil. So let me read quickly Jesus' interpretations. I love how he'll say the parable, and then a few verses later he'll tell us what it means. Um, But in Mark, I'll read it in Mark and then in Luke. But in Mark verse 20, he says, Others, like the seed sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some some 30, some 60, and some 100 times what was sown. So Jesus is saying here that it's about us hearing the word, accepting the word in our heart, and being faithful to the word that we see a supernatural harvest. And then Luke puts it this way in Luke 8:15. He says, "But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop." So what is implied in Mark is explicitly stated in Luke that when we persevere in our faith, that we when we embrace God's word and when we faithfully live it out, that the power and potential of the gospel can fully be realized. The parable says here that the potential living in the seed is realized when we persevere. And I think that that's a word for us as we move into this new year, as we move into 2018. Like I said, this parable is extremely encouraging because the first soil, it completely fails. The second soil, it has this temporary high when someone accepts Jesus, but then it withers with the scorching sun. And then we see the third soil. There's the same thing. There's this temporary high when someone accepts Jesus, but then the thorns of life, they come and they choke out the growth. But we see in the fourth soil that the high of receiving Jesus isn't some momentary high, but with perseverance, this turns into a supernatural harvest, a mind-blowing harvest. And that's what God's will is for our life, that we wouldn't just have this emotional temporary high when we come to serve Jesus, but that we would live a life that perseveres consistently in response to God's word. I think what's great here is that we don't have to make this happen. The seed will do its work. We just have to persevere with what Jesus is saying and following him and the way that we've been taught how. I think that the more I read the Bible, the more I follow Jesus, the more um, I'm convinced that that perseverance, faithfulness, consistency, that these are some of the chief virtues of the Christian life. And my pastor, uh, Pastor Mark Batterson, he says it this way, that we must have a long obedience in the same direction, that we have to keep on keeping on. And something that uh, I tell a lot of my students at Georgetown, we have um, part of our mission statement. The first line says that uh, our goal is to make lifelong disciples of Jesus Christ. And the key there is lifelong, that we're not, uh, I'm not concerned in building people who will follow Jesus for the four years that they're in college. Um, But the key is that they would follow Jesus for the long haul. And I think one of the interesting things about being a college pastor is that I will not know if I was successful or not until 5, 10, 15, 50 years down the road when I see, are they still faithfully following Jesus? Are they involved in their local church? Are they continuing to make disciples? Because it's not about what they can do in their four years or what we can do in a few years, but what God can do through us over a lifetime. 
it's not about four years, but 40, 50, 60 years. And I think sometimes it's easy to be a little uh, short-sighted in those things. I think in a society of microwaves and high-speed internet and text messaging, um, everything happens, everything that we want can happen almost in an instant. But we know, and some of y'all in here who have been following Jesus for a while know that that's not how our walks with God work. Um, Our faith is not an instant thing, but it's something that's cultivated over the long haul. And maturity takes perseverance. And I know I'll meet with a lot of students, and I'll be there. I've been there myself where there might be things that, uh, that you're struggling with, things that you're really wrestling with with God and and they'll spend um, with students they they measure their seasons and semesters Um, and I think as adults you know that seasons last a a lot longer than that but they'll think you know I've been trying to beat this for a month two months three months and nothing is happening and I'm becoming uh, discouraged and if that sounds like that's you here I just want to encourage you guys to continue to persevere because God is at work and that seed is germinating even when we do not see it. And that's the key, that we must keep persevering um, and there will be a supernatural harvest. And immediately after uh, Jesus tells that parable of Mark, he tells a second parable. And this one, he speaks to sort of the slowness of the crop and the slowness of the growth. And I think It's pretty cool that he uses these agrarian metaphors because uh, they're so slow. You know, I don't know if you've ever, like, planted something, but I never expect it to actually grow when I plant things, but I also expect it to grow really quickly. Um, So I think it's interesting that he's using these uh, soil and and seed metaphors because these are things that inherently take time. But Jesus says right after that parable in, in Mark 4, 26, he says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. So he's going to tell us what the kingdom of God is all about. He says, A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he knows not how. And all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. And Jesus He tells us this parable because he wants our focus and attention to be in the right place. So this is talking about, Jesus is talking about how growth in the kingdom happens. And I think what's great about this is what is the human agency in this parable? It is that the man plants the seed. That's all he does. But the emphasis of this parable is on the divine agency. What does God do? He makes it grow says that the man sows his seed he goes faithfully through his daily routine Uh, he sleeps and he wakes and he takes care of the crops and he's faithful and persevering in what he knows how to do but in the midst of it over time the man goes out and he sees the seed sprout from the ground and he says though he knows not how it happens and I think that this speaks to this element of mystery that we have in our walks with God There's a sense of mystery of how this all happens. He doesn't know how this seed grows. It just sprouted from the ground, and he knows not how it happens. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that there's this sense of inevitability, that we don't know what God is doing, 
We don't know his timeline for it, but we know that if we are persistent, if we persevere in our walks with him, these seeds that we, that we sow, they will grow. And God will keep on keeping on until something sprouts up in our lives. And that is good news. Let me tell you where I'm going with this, that God is at work even when we can't see it. That there is this sense of inevitability in the harvest when we persevere, and that God's work, it may seem slow, and it may seem mysterious, and it may even seem like nothing is happening. But we have this promise that God's kingdom will yield great fruit. And in a culture of of instant everything, we can't lose sight of this. There's this book written by a Japanese theologian. I haven't read the book, but I read the title of it, and it's it's interesting. It's called The Two-Mile-An-Hour God. I think that's interesting because if I wrote that book, it'd probably be called The 200-Mile-An-Hour God because we want God to to move so fast. But it speaks to how so much of what God does is slow and it's progressive, but he is at work. And that's one of the things that I love so much about the Bible is we have so many, so many books in here spread out over thousands of years, and they're all telling this single story. And I think it's cool that we just uh, we're still in the season of Advent and preparing we're preparing for Jesus to be born. And what's interesting about that is the nation of Israel went 400 years without a single prophet. They went 400 years of thinking that God had forgotten about them. And then the Savior of the world is born as a baby. And how many of us, when was the last time that we thought about the supernatural of God happening very slowly? I almost feel like I don't have time for that sometimes, but that's how God works. So I want to spend a few minutes uh, just talking about how this plays out in and through our lives, and then I'll, I'll close. First, let's talk about God's work that he's doing in us. We see that God's work in our sanctification and our becoming more and more like Jesus, it happens progressively. And I love how the farmer in this parable, uh, he goes out night and day, he's taking care of the crops, and then when he sees the sprout, uh, he celebrates this. He doesn't say, like, well, why isn't it corn yet? He understands that this growth happens slowly, and it happens progressively. And I know uh, when I preach at Georgetown, there's a ton of perfectionists in the room. Maybe there's some of y'all in here, too, that are, I'm a huge perfectionist. And it's so easy to look at things in our lives and wondering, um, and wonder why God hasn't fixed those things yet. And focus, it can be so easy to focus on the things that God hasn't done in our lives, as opposed to celebrating the things that God has. And I think as we look back on on the year uh, throughout the rest of the day and as we celebrate New Year, um, that could be something important to cultivate in us. Look back and instead of thinking about the things that God hasn't done, celebrate all of the things that God has done in our life. Because when we focus on what God has done, it can encourage us to, to persevere in our walks. At my home church, I teach uh, in Sunday school with the toddlers. And if some of y'all in here have uh, kids or work with kids, you might relate to this. But um, 
we always, uh, they're at the age where we'll do like puzzles, you know, where you're just kind of like matching the pictures and, and everything. All the lessons are pretty much just naming things, you know, like that's a sheep, like that's a, like a turtle or something, and they repeat it. Uh, I have this one uh, kid, his name is Henry, he's two. And last week we were talking about, he was convinced uh, that an ambulance was really a fire truck. And I was trying to explain to him, like, no, that's an ambulance, that's a fire truck. And he just wasn't having it. And then we went to snack time, and uh, we pour little cups of water for everybody. And most of the kids just kind of, like, you know, dump it all over them, and they don't really know how to drink from cups of water yet. And um, when I look at them, I don't, like, think, like, oh, my gosh, how are you ever going to be a functioning adult one day? Um, I said, look and recognize that their development as children is progressive. I'm not concerned that when he's an adult, he's not going to know the difference between an ambulance and a fire truck, and that in a few years he'll be able to drink from a cup of water. Um, but we know that, we understand that kids' development is progressive, and that's how our development is as well as children of God. Our development is progressive. And I love the way, um, fast-forwarding a bit to the book of 1 Corinthians, I love the way Paul starts his letter, his first letter to the Corinthians, um, because he starts by saying, like he starts most of his letters, that he just thanks God so much for them, and that he thanks God uh, that he gets to see all of the grace that he has poured out on their lives and on the church. And the reason I like this so much is because if you know anything about the, the church of Corinth, then you know that it was a complete mess. It was a disaster. It had division. It had people sleeping with their stepmoms, lawsuits, pride, selfishness. They were getting drunk off the Lord's Supper. And he addresses all of these issues. But before he does, he focuses on what God is doing. And he says that God is doing great things. He's so thankful for them because he can see that God's grace is working in their lives. He knew that these things were something to be celebrated. So as we reflect back on this year, will we celebrate what God has done in our lives as opposed to maybe only focusing on things that that didn't go so well this year or areas where we still need to grow? Because if we do, it will encourage us to persevere as we move forward in 2018. And this parable, it's not just an encouragement for our own personal maturity. But it's also an encouragement for what God wants to do through us. In Chi Alpha, we have this phrase that what God does in you, he wants to do through you. And Jesus speaks to that um, in this parable. This parable is a source of great hope for what God can do through us. So I just want to share a couple of stories, and then I'll close out. But I wanted to read a letter to you guys um, that one of my friends, who's also a Chi Alpha pastor, uh, he got in the mail Uh, last holiday season and it says this it says I just wanted to write and say thank you for the book that you gave me in 1993 also thank you for being a good friend and a great Christian example it only took me 23 years to get around to reading that book cover to cover to realize what has been missing from my life all these years whether it was the stones falling from their hands a woman at the well or a guy named Saul who became Paul They all gave a sinner like me hope we could be forgiven. Thank you for planting that seed all those years ago. The seed here grew, though he knew not how. Something 
but I love to tell our students who might think that that they show up by chance um, is that nothing's ever by chance, that God is always orchestrating everything. And I think the unique perspective that I get to be their pastor, but then to also come and meet y'all is that I can see that um, I can see the fruit of what's happening at Georgetown and know that it's because people like you are planting these seeds and watering them in prayer. And I always remind our students that for decades, Pastor Stan and other pastors and people like you have been praying for them. And y'all don't know their stories. You probably never will. You don't know where they're from. You don't know their names. But it's because uh, people like you believe that when we plant these seeds, that when we invest in people, that God can use those people to change the world. That's how we see, that's how we see the fruit. And I, I feel bad that, that some of y'all will never get to see the fruit of that the way I do. But I think it's beautiful that when we plant these seeds, that there will be fruit. My freshman year, I gave my neighbor who became my best friend. She was very far uh, she was very far from Jesus at that time. And I gave her a Bible for Christmas. And years and years went by. And uh, we would occasionally have conversations about faith, but they never went anywhere. And then one day, last year, um, I got a text message. And it was a picture of that Bible I had given her our freshman year of college. And the text says, I know something is missing. And you gave me this Bible eight years ago, and I think it's time to finally see what's in it. And we planted these seeds. We all plant these seeds in our lives, and they spring up, and God is doing something, though we know not how they happen. And can I say uh, to y'all that we do not know how God is at work in the lives of our coworkers, in the lives of our our children, our parents, our siblings, the people around us. We do not know how God is at work. But so often, the enemy wants us to give up and to give in. And sometimes it's easy to, to invite people to church for a few weeks and then it, before it becomes a lost cause. Or to share your faith for a little bit, but then it just seems like, no, they're too far from Jesus to, to ever really know him. Um, the enemy wants you to think that you are not making a difference. But we are given this promise here. Jesus says that if we persevere, this harvest will come. The seeds that we plant and that we water in prayer and in faith will grow, though we know not how it happens. And we're all sitting in here today because these words that Jesus said were true, that there would be a supernatural harvest. And so as I close, um, I just want us to think about as we go throughout the day, will we commit this next year to persevere even when things, when we don't see the results right away? Will we have faith even when things don't seem to be going well? Will we celebrate all of the ways that we've seen the grace of God in our lives even when there's still plenty of areas for improvement? And I want to just leave us with Paul's, um, a word that Paul gave to the church in Galatia. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you, you will reap a harvest. Um, let's pray.
pray, and then Pastor Melissa will come up and pray. Gracious and loving God, I just thank you, Lord, for the infinite love that you've poured out on our lives. I pray that the great miracle of Christmas will not be lost in us as we go forward, God, but that we would see just the incredible love that you, the God of the universe, would come to the earth as a helpless baby and then tell us the truths and the promises of the kingdom of God. And I pray, Lord, that as we go through 2018, as we go through this next year, that we would persevere in our faith, God, and we would know that we do not have to do that alone, but that you've given us a community here, God, uh, to encourage us and to uplift us. And I pray, Lord, that we would be people who faithfully plant seeds and that we would be diligent in watering those seeds in prayer, God, that we would have the faith and the trust uh, that you make things grow, God, and that you do things that we could never do, God. And I thank you for seeking out each of us, Lord, and for calling us your children. In your name we pray. Thank you, Pastor Bonnie. I think what a perfect way to end this year is talking about persistence and faith. And, and as she was preaching, I was thinking about sometimes we feel our, way, our faith is weak, but um, Jesus tells us that all we need is faith is a mustard seed. That's all we need. Um, and, and I wonder if you'll join me this year. I don't normally make New Year's resolutions, but I wonder if you'll join me this year in, in, in resolving this year to be persistent into our faith to dig down deep into God's word and to become a people that are strong and, and that we persevere. Because I, I was thinking as Bonnie was preaching that that's what our families need to see. That's what our community needs to see. And our, ultimately the world needs to see people of faith that are persistent and that um, persevere. And, and we'll see those fruits flow, or grow. And um, I love having our missionaries here, especially Kai Alpha, because we do give to them and we don't always hear and see the things that are happening, so it's always such a good um, reminder to see the things that um, this, the seeds the church is planting. If you'll stand with me, I just want to end um, today with a prayer over you. And I don't know if you'll join me. Maybe I can um, have a prayer of thanksgiving for all that God has done for us this year. Um, we're here. We're alive. We're standing. Um, and so that in itself is a miracle. And I'm so thankful for this church, for you guys are my family. So I'm so thankful for each and every one of you. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that you have given us this time together, Lord, to worship you and to worship together. God, I pray for every person here that we are persistent into our faith, that we will see the fruits um, grow, God, whether it's tomorrow or years from now, Lord, but that we will be persistent, that we will always remember your name, and that we will seek you first, God. God, I just want to offer you a prayer of thanksgiving, God, for all that you've done. I can think over this year, Lord, the things that you've done in this church, in my life, and in the community, Lord, that that have been so awesome, God. You have done great things, and we are so thankful for that, Lord, that we're here, that we're together, God. We're so thankful for the blessings that you have given us, God. We are so grateful. As we close out another year of your goodness, God, we We just praise you and worship you, God, that you have been faithful, that you are the most faithful, consistent thing that we have in our life. You are the beginning and the end, God, and and, and in between there there is no one like you, God, and we are so thankful for that. 
may us may we always remember your goodness and your grace upon us. God, for my family and friends here, that you will just bless them as they go about their day, God. Keep them safe, protect them. But as we close out 2017, may we remember your goodness and your faithfulness, God. We are so grateful, and we are so thankful for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy New Year. We can't wait to see you again next week.